My name's Phil Williams and I would like to welcome you to Audio Angling, the podcast site of fishingfilmsandfacts.co.uk. One of my personal angling goals has been to catch a fish, any fish, in excess of £200 from a trail boat. Something I discuss along with all my other angling targets in my book, The Ultimate Angling Bucket List, in which I look at the various possibilities, one of which is a bluefin tuna, a species which at the first draft stage of writing I dismissed as being completely out of the reckoning. That was until I was put in touch with Alistair Wilson, who I'm linked up here with now, who put to sea in his Warrior 165 and has done just that. I personally have had scared toppy £200 in Scottish waters, where in theory at least, big poor beagle sharks are also a possibility. In addition to that, friends of mine, Graham Pullen and Wayne Comburn, have caught and released both poor beagles and threshers in excess of £400 at the side of the Trail Wilson Flyer down along the south coast. But no big skate. Only Ireland, with its track record of flapper skate, blue skate, White skate, six gill sharks, poor beagles, makos and threshers, plus right now in 2016 bluefin tuna, offers a shot at all the potential different £200 plus species available here in our corner of the world to small boat anglers, and in particular those with a pioneering spirit willing to go out and try for the things. Obviously, not all in the same place or at the same time. So give us a potted introduction into the big fish small boat combination in your neck of the woods. Usually there in this coming up to like the start of the summer would be end of the top fishing. You would move on into the, the sharking, usually starts about July. Last year we're lucky enough to hit the bluefin coming into late August, September and October and then looking at anchoring for common skate and stuff in the winter time when we get a chance, when the weather's right. And this is all from a trail warrior I take it. Yeah, um, it's a, a Warrior 165. I've, I've actually had it now, going on for nine years. I bought it brand new with a 75 Honda in the back of it. Um, it served me very, very well. Um, never any issues with it. Got the regular servicing and stuff. Only last year there, I actually went and purchased a new trailer for it, a new dispensing trailer. So that'll actually serve me for an hour, a few years on that boat. But it's, it's a handy outfit now. I really, really enjoy using it. It suits my style of fishing, like I, I can head away on my own a couple of days at a time, never any hassle, it's easy towed, you know, it really is a, a cracking wee boat. And you see that as being ideal, not only for the size of fish you encounter, but also the size of some of the seas that the open Atlantic can throw up to. Yeah, it's, that's the only thing where I fish like northwest Donegal. The weather can be a bit of an issue. There's big swells there too, but you just sort of can go when the weather's right. It just seems to be that's the way I sort of plan it. You know, there it would be coming up maybe two or three days settled weather. I would go for them three days, you know. You just have to work with the weather down there, and it, and it's that's just a case of what it is. Them big swells, and I have been caught out a couple of times when I was out fishing for blue shark and stuff, and it can, <laughs> it can get interesting. It really can. It can get interesting on, on the way back in. <laughs> Interesting's one way of putting it. Uh, there's a few times now I've sort of wondered, should I really be here? And it was a hairy enough seal going back in. We have fallen sea there in a big swell. It's it's not nice, but it's just one of them things. Last year, last I think it was August time, the end of August, I had a bluefin tuna. It was in around three hundred, just over three hundred pound. It was my third time lucky. I actually got to land that one. 
two are dead. That's some fish. Bluefin tuna first burst on the scene probably around the late 1990s when Adrian Malloy, Michael McVeigh and Alan Glanville started targeting and catching them. Then supposedly they slipped into terminal decline. So much so that the boats actually started removing their outriggers and chairs and turning their attentions to other things. Then we started hearing rumours of a few sightings and encounters, including you eventually getting one of around £300. So what's the story behind that? Well, it was 2013 when we were fishing for porgies. I were actually out shark and we started to see them off Malm Head. That would be my shark and grounds. That would usually be the grounds I go for the shark. Um, not in big numbers. Now, I think that year we've seen about maybe six or seven busts and we thought this is great, you know, is this going to be a comeback of them? 2014 we actually had one brief hook up on a friend's boat. It lasted about 10 seconds, the fish spat the hook. So that was a good enough go ahead for me to purchase the tackle and the gear and stuff and just be ready for the next season. Luckily enough there now, last year, my first ever time fishing on, on South Donegal there in Donegal Bay, and um, we just come into hundreds of them basically. That's just the way it was. Average a day there, you were seeing maybe 60, 70 fish busting. The first trip out, I was running out of Tealand Pier. I think I had the first hook up within about two hours. It was just mind blowing the amount of tuna about the place. You know, I'd never seen fish like that before. We were only used to seeing fish maybe five, six times a year. You know, we weren't seeing any big head, but last year now definitely was a bumper season. Even talking to some of the tuna men, like as you say, Malloy and McVeigh, last year was sort of, it was out of the ordinary. It's never been seen before. So it was, it was very spectacular now. But seeing them is one thing. Successfully tapping into a potential that's so very different to anything you've tried before is a totally different matter. Do you know, I just went down the same route as the rest of the guys trolling the, the spreader bars. I did try a bit of live baiting out there, I tried trolling lures and cannon downriggers and stuff, but the spreader bars, you know, they seem to be doing a trick for everybody else, so I know the warrior is not big now, I just fished off two rods off the back and no outriggers or anything like that. Um, I did get my spreader bars made up with floats inside them, you know, to, to keep the buoyancy, to keep the, the squids actually up in the water and not sinking down, and it seemed to do the trick for me. But this year I might invest in a set of outriggers, I'm still toying with the idea. But what I was doing last year worked, so sometimes it's it's better just to leave things alone. When you're getting the fish like that there, um, gear-wise it was, I'm using 80 wide pen internationals and tuna sticks, the 30 to 80 tuna sticks, and 130 to 80 and 150 to 130, um, seemed to cook pretty well. And using 80 pound line, 80 pound mono. I do say this, but I, I'd fight them pretty hard. The guy running the drags there at £30, you know, and that's that's a lot of drag. But, again, it seems to work. It works for me, so we'll maybe just keep going the way we are. The only thing I would say, fighting them in that harder drag, if you do manage to get the chin of the side of the boat, it's never hard to take the hook out. They've actually wore a hole in the side of their mouth. Whether it's just a soft mouse or whether I'm fishing, you know, very, very high drags on them, but it's very easy to see how tuna spit hooks. Any slack line at all there and that fishes away, that's it gone. So keeping the pressure on them was a big part to play in it. I actually hooked a couple of fish before I actually got to land the one. 
and that's exactly what happened. I just lo you know I, d I lost the pressure on them, and that was it. Hooked on, it's just it's straight out on them. So you have to be on your toes with them. That first fish to the boat must have been magic, but is that the way you saw it, or was it just sheer relief? Yeah, well, I went down there and uh, basically just from I was doing like ten, twelve hour days down there, you know, just constantly out trolling up and down, up and down, seeing the fish going over the top of the fish. That would have been the in the sea. Aye, that was in the end of August. No, sorry, the middle of September, that first one. Yeah, I think it was just a, it was a normal day. I think I'd one hook up previous that morning, and next thing I whacked into that fish. Um, I was on him for a good hour. Luckily enough, got him to the side of the boat, and I had the harpoon and everything, and I just whacked him with a harpoon, tied a couple of ropes around his tail, and started to tow him in. I think it had about an eight mile steam back in, so there was a it took me a while, it took me a couple of hours now to get him back onto the shore. Um when I onto the shore, luckily enough there's a couple of guys standing on the pier and they had seen me pull it up alongside of the boat, I tied it up alongside of the boat and they actually gave me a hand to, to pull it up onto the pier. And that's where we got the measurements of it and stuff and a few photos and we got it dropped back down into the boat and that was me away home with it. <laughs> Stand outside my house at two o'clock in the morning cutting up tuna <laughs> to put into my freezer. That was the first one, but I did always say the first bluefin that I caught, like I, you know, I was always going to take it home with me. It was just one of them things that I wanted to do, and it then none of it went to waste. It went to a lot of friends and neighbours and family, and you know, it's it was nice to be able to to hand them out a piece of bluefin tuna, especially if you caught it yourself and stuff. But no, I was I was chuffed now getting that fish. It really, really was a special fish for me. Plus, of course, the grief that went with it. Ah, but sure, you get grief at everything, Phil. You know what I mean? Some people, I think, just like to be offended sometimes. Um, it doesn't really bother me, so it doesn't. I think if some of the people there like knew the expense and stuff and the time put into them fish, you know, they maybe wouldn't. They wouldn't be so sore on you or something. You know, it's. There's a lot of time and effort goes into that type of fishing and a lot of expense to you. I don't really, really care about the grief I get about it, so I don't. So, with the situation we now know took place previously with Adrian Malloy and the rest, what are you hearing with regard to the future of today's fish? Are these a flash in the pan, the next generation or whatever? What's the general feeling this time around? To be honest, Phil, I just take every season as it comes. They did. They had a lot of big fish back. I think it was 2000, 2001 and stuff. There was a hell of a lot of big tuna about there. I'm sure you know that Malloy had that record one and stuff. Um, they disappeared what, for a good 10 years and then started to come back. Um, I actually had one guy fished for them in that them bumper years, you know, going back 16 years. And he was out with me one day and he had actually said they had never seen so many small tuna about. He was always like they, the time they fished him back in two thousand. They were like their average fish was maybe four to maybe six hundred pound and real lumps of fish. Our average ones this year probably in around three. There was a few smaller ones. I think I had one to the boat. It was probably in around two hundred pounds. So um, I don't know. I honestly don't know what way it's going to turn out. I just I'll wait to see this year what happens. Whether they come back in them numbers again. But uh, as I say, last year was very impressive, very, very impressive to see that amount of tuna. All contained inside that one wee bay. But we'll just have to see what happens. I don't think anybody really knows, to be honest, you know, what's going to come back. 
We'll be waiting with bated breath now till the end of August, start of September, and see what happens. As I hinted earlier, tunnel fish in Irish waters aren't potentially always going to be tuna. Far from it, in fact. So can we now take a look at some of the other species on offer, starting with the sharks. The blue shark. Blue sharks are usually coming up into August time. Again, I'd be northwest Donegal, north Donegal, basically where I do all my sharking. Um, blues seem to be always that little bit further out where, where I'm getting the poor beagles. Always in, seem to be in like the deeper water, maybe 150, 200 feet. Not so much, I used to think. Like the temperature was in around 16 degrees, but we were getting them there last year. The temperature is in around 14, so that you know that's maybe not that big a deciding factor about them. Numbers and sizes, there's plenty of blues about when they're there, they're there, sort of thing. Sizes, I, I would say, and like a Donegal shark, and I, I would say a good blue shark over here is 100 pounds. That would be a really, really good size blue shark. We're getting a lot of small ones, we're getting ones maybe 40 pounds. The, the average sort of fish, maybe 60 to 70, 100 would be a real cracker. Um, I think the biggest I ever had would have been we had a 136 pounder of Downings um, it was about 2012 now that's the biggest one I ever had I don't think I've had any hundreds after that all in and around that average 60-70 pound the tactics and stuff the blues will always follow the chum You know, there's no two ways about it you get a good chum slip going the blues will come to the side of the boat the last few years there now I've had them actually coming up to the boat and ripping away at the at the dubby bags tied at the side of the boat and that's that's good fun watching that and you can pretty much pick whatever shark you want to catch and I've also done a, another few things I thought just as an experiment the pot boys that you would get out there you know if, if they're far enough out or they think or I think the blues will be you know I would tie like a five gallon bucket of chum to it and, and go about and maybe set up my own chumps like off the boat and, and maybe come back to that at the end of the day give it a few hours and you know, nine times out of ten, the blues are around that bucket. So I would say for blues, definitely, you know, the chum trail, it's, it's definitely the answer for them. There's no doubt about that there. And tactically, it's going to be balloons controlling the depth with the deepest baits furthest away from the boat on the drift. Yeah, believe it or not, I'll, I'll use four rods in that, in that boat, in that 16-footer. Um, I'll put two up in, the, up in the reels and the roof and then two out the back, yeah. Just a regular charter setup for the blues. I'll run a couple of baits out deep. I'll run one maybe 20, 30 feet, and then I'll run one just right beside the boat. Nothing fancy, nothing spectacular. It's, it's, if the blues are there and you get the chum slick going, that, that seems to do the trick now. The blues down off Milford Haven seem to be getting bigger and more numerous year on year, which contrasts to an extent with the Irish experience, even though the fish must be from the same general migration. But you're not seeing that trend. Not so much blues, Phil. No, as I say, there, like we'd be anybody over here getting a hundred pounder would be a real stunking fish, a real cracking blue. We do seem to get the smaller ones now. It hasn't been that. All right, there's there's been a few, maybe one twenties, you know, going into one thirties and stuff. But the big blue sharks, we don't get them up in around North Donegal. Or well, there's a few knocking about South Donegal, but. We don't have them. We don't have them to the same size that the guys and wheels and stuff are getting. We definitely don't. What about the poor beagle sharks then? I actually love fishing for poor beagles. I caught my first one in, in 2008, an 83 pounder in my friend's boat, and that just started like the, the craze for them. 
every year and I, I would I would spend a lot of time fishing for porgies. I would spend more time fishing for porgies than I would the blues. There's been a couple of real good years. I've pretty much fished them from 2008 every, every summer on. A couple of ones there are worth noting. And I think it was 2010. Now, there was a group of about, I would say, five or six, you know, all small boats, like wee warriors and sea hogs and stuff. And we all had anchored up sort of in a, in a line just off one of the headlands in, in North Donegal there. Now, in that one day, every boat had at least two shark. So there's a lot of shark about that day. That was a good 12, 13 fish, you know, good poor beagles caught in that day. Again, we don't seem to get the big fish. To my knowledge over here, there's probably about three or four fish of brook to £100. Our porgies are all around the 100 sort of mark. This year I actually seen a good few small ones. We had actually a couple there at £30. And them fish, you know, are only they're only a couple of years old. But no, I really, really do love fishing for porgies. But again, and I might be proved wrong this year, it seems to be the very north there at Malnhead seems to be the main poor beagle fishery in Ireland here. I know there's the odd few caught in round there, the south and stuff, but numbers tend to be up, up round Malnhead direction, um, the mouth of Loch Swilly and stuff like that there. That's for a hell of a lot of poor beagle have been coming out of that the last few years. My experience, like yours, is small pack fish over the summer off the North Devon coast, with the very biggest, say £300 plus females, coming right into certain headlands very early in the spring to drop the pups. That said, the South Wales boats catch those well off over deeper water, out in the Celtic deep mixed in with the blues. So what happens on your patch? Are the two species separated, or do you find some level of mixing? They're hard to figure out. I think in around July, we will get them tight in, you know, really tight into the rocks, a couple of hundred yards. They're sitting in tide rips and stuff. They're sitting off headlands. Obviously, they're in feeding with pollock and coalies and stuff like that there. Um, into August, like, I struggled last year to actually actually locate them. I did catch, no, in fact, all our poor beagles last year, all, any of the ones that I caught were all in among the blues. Now, we're not, well, I'm, what, nine, ten mile offshore, well, we were getting the, the main porgies there last year, but as I do say, like in, in around that July time, we seem to get them in tight, really, really tight on the headlands and stuff. And there, there's a couple of well-known porgy marks up there. You know, if you're there the right time of the year and the fish are there, there's a really, really good chance of getting them. But they do seem to move about. I, they're hard to figure out sometimes. I, I would move about a lot with poor beagles. I wouldn't be tending to do big long drifts. Um, I would move to all my different marks, you know, poor beagles seem to be more inquisitive, they seem to be, I don't know, they're different than the blues, there are a lot, a lot of fish have accounted for, like, when you come to your axle mark or whatever and see if you get a bait straight, in, you know, into the water straight away, fish always seem to be there, you know, they seem to be coming up to the boat to hear the noise or that they're coming over seeing what's happening and stuff, that's accounted for a hell of a lot of fish, um, just getting that bait straight in the water, maybe within 10 minutes, bang, you know, you, you've won on caught poor beagles without dobby you know it's they're they're just a total different animal than the blues but they're they're harder to figure out too so they are that maybe i spend too much time thinking about them maybe that's the problem but um no i've had a few to troll in there as well but i've had problems with the hook keeping the hooks in but it's probably the hooks are too big or something like that but um there's sometimes there's a lot of fish up around there up around that mall head direction there definitely is 
Harder to figure out, perhaps, but far better to hook up when you actually find them. Aye, that you know, some of them there, they can make you work. Like I had one last year. I was funny enough, I was out on my own. On a was using a pretty a light sail, but twenty to forty we stand up stick. Now I was on that fish for a good hour, and he, he did. He really, really made a good account of himself. And I reckoned. Now I didn't get him in or anything like that. I got him to the side of the boat, and I, I tailed him there with a the tailor. That fish is probably in around. 170, 180 pound, a real good strong lump of a fish and I say he did, he made me sweat now, he definitely did but no, you do get the obvious look, you get one sometimes there, maybe 80, 90 pound and they'll they'll make you work as well um, a friend there has a, actually he was been satellite tagging him there the last few years, um, he was running a big sports fisher, you know actually a walk around a big rod in 1250 and he gets a lot of poor beagles, I think his best in one year was 17, he's actually the guy that started me off fishing for them and stuff and, and to this day you know we'd still go up and fish with him on the boat he does very well at them, but he'll even say himself like they are, they're, they're hard to catch, you know there's a lot of time spent on them, there's a lot of days you blank out there so they're just looking for them What about mako sharks? Not a regular catch anywhere in our corner of Europe these days, but a species with some Irish history just the same. What I find hard to get my head round is that this is a warm water species and sea temperatures are supposedly rising. So why is it we're seeing less now than back in the 1970s when over 30 were caught? Same as you're thinking there, you know, they should be there. There's a lot of feeding. My friend there has put satellite tags on poor beagles. And then poor beagles... A lot of them were running down the shelf, going into the lakes of Portugal and stuff like that there. And I think there was one or two who was actually heading across the Atlantic over to the States. If them poor beagles are making that trip, obviously the magos and stuff make it as well. But I haven't, I've never hooked any, so I haven't. And I don't know of anybody that, does, that fishes in my sharking grounds, you know, up round north, Donegal and stuff, ever hooking them. I know there's the odd one took in around Ireland. I think there was one, was there one last year in Cork or something? But they're few and far between, you know, it's even seeing all those chinna and stuff last year, like we were all thinking, you know, there has to be something tailing these here, there has to be something coming in, you know, feeding in these chinna, or thinking there's some sort of predator in among them, but nobody has seemed to have seen them or, or hooked into them, but you never know. Actually talking to a skipper there a couple of weeks ago from Bally Castle, and he had spotted a um, thresher shark just off in around Rathlin Island and up around that side of the coast, but again, nobody's hooked them. But they're probably there, they just they need somebody to put the time and effort into going after them. Yeah. When fish are thin on the ground like that, it is hard to be motivated. It would be hard for charter skippers to do it full, you know. It's <laughs> to get four or five guys to go out weekend after weekend and putting the time in and not getting the results, it's it's hard work. So it is. Saying that Mako should be here, even more likely is the appearance of great whites. The water temperature here is perfect and there's plenty of food in the shape of seals but for some reason some species of fish simply don't visit the British Isles regularly and unfortunately the mako seems to be one of them. Aye, it's, it's weird. So it is. But it's not to say the mako's, you know, it could happen over here, you know, the threshers could happen over here. I know it probably won't be a regular thing but it would be nice. It would be really, really nice to get one. What about the six-gill shark? A fish which has authentically been recorded at over a thousand pounds from Irish waters, caught by one of Luke Aston's clients fishing out of Carrigaholt on the Shannon. 
A friend of mine, Mick Duff, has also had them to over £400, quite close in at Kilkee on the outer Shannon estuary, fishing from his Warrior 175. Do you know what? It was last year or the year before, there's a few guys I would know that would fish the same skate grounds. We would fish like deep holes for the skate over here and trenches and stuff. And I think it was last year or the year before, one of the guys was bringing up a male skate. I think the skate was in around 100, £120, pounds, something out there. And all of a sudden it stopped and I think there was a bit of jerking and stuff in the line. That was alright, they kept on bringing in the skate. And the skate had actually a bite mark out of the back of it. Um, and them guys had put that down to a six scale. Because we don't get blue shark down in, you know, in the North Channel here. It's, n- it's never been documented. Blue sharks seem to stop sort of in Hull area. They don't actually seem to come in around the north of the country here. Um, pretty sure it wasn't a tope because it, it was a pretty big bite mark. And that's, if it would have been a poor beagle, you know, the flesh would actually have been ripped off. You know, it would have been in shreds going by the shape of the poor beagle's teeth. But this seemed to be a real good clean cut. So they had put it down to six gills. Look, a couple... More than a couple of years ago, I am fishing the exact same mark and getting spilled. Alright, we probably weren't at that with six old senators and stuff, but big, long, slow run and just couldn't do anything with it. Couldn't stop it. We put that down to six gill. Um, a couple of guys up around Bally Castle have talked about it as well, getting spilled and stuff and into really heavy fish and not being able to do anything with them. But then again, when the currents and stuff pick up up around there, you can't really do a lot with anything. Um, but there's a good chance they are there, just nobody up in around this part has actually got one under the boat or got one up off the bottom. But, like, when you're seeing bike marks coming out of a fish weighing £130, you know, obviously there's something substantial down there that's considering a fair enough game to take a bite at it. In my experience, six gills in shallow water need to be fished for after dark. The ones I caught in daylight came from over 1,700 feet of water. McDuff, on the other hand, when he had his fish at Kilkee, which isn't that deep, was fishing in the evening for common skate. See the time and efforts put into these bigger fish, Phil, you will find them. You know, the guys will find them, but chartering and stuff over here, there's nobody... All right, there is guys taking out shark fishing, of course, for the and stuff, but it's hard to specialise, you know, in that type of fishing, because you can't get the anglers to go out and put in the time, you know. Anglers want to see results, if you understand, you know, they want to be seeing fish in every trip or whatever, but even the small boating scene over here, the, the small angling boats and stuff, you know, that's it's getting lesser every year there, you know. There's not as many guys doing it now. Say, going back maybe six, seven years ago, there'd been a lot of guys that I'd have knocked about with a good few guys there and you'd have met up every weekend in the summertime and head it off and stuff, but they're few and far between now. I guess it's just a sign of the times. That leaves us with the common skate, except that there is no common skate anymore. Fishery scientists recently split the species into two, with flapper skaters, as they're now called, being the ones they catch along the west coast of Scotland across into northern Irish waters, and blue skate thought to be the ones along Ireland's southern and western coast. Yeah, my, my skate fishing would be usually winter time. Um, that, that's when I would sort of fish a lot closer to home. We had a marks there just out of Larne, Cushendall... Cushion Dunn, common skate are pretty much all up and around the Antrim coast. Even get up into Donegal, up as far as Loch Swilly and stuff here, there, there's guys still picking them up. Again, it's down to, you know, there's there's only a few guys actually will go out and target these skate. But they are, they're all around the country. There's no doubt about that. Um, I think I got my first one in, was it 2009? It was a small one, I think it was in around £60. That would have been, January, it would have been March time, I think. 
again it's it's my winter sort of fishing there's not a lot up here at that time of the year no bar fishing in the deep holes some days where we're getting them some days we don't this year now we haven't had any, oh we had one this year so far out of three trips there's one day actually when i can get five in the one trip you know but then again you, you get bumper days like that but the hard work fell you know it's four pound of lead to, you know to get to the bottom you're fishing three three hundred and fifty feet there i have one wee mark i'm getting them off it was a pretty shallow considering it's in around 230 feet that's a nice mark to fish but it's hard graft it's hard to get them off the bottom but good fun and when you see them in the boat they are they're quite a sight like this, the size of them and stuff when you get them into the boat but um bait wise and stuff there we would tend to use if we can get our hands on them decent sized cold fish Doggies too, we started using doggies, we we are absolutely plagued with doggies down here. Like if we're putting down mackerel baits or squid, the dogfish are on them straight away. And you know, you're ending up, you're having to haul that up and, and rebait all the time. So we did just come to the, the conclusion, right, that's it, we're, we're going to start using dogfish here. We've had a few young dogs, we've brought skate into the boat. They've actually thrown up dogfish, you know, out of their stomach and stuff. So they are feeding on them. I actually started using their you know, like, um, deep dropper lights you'd see for swordfish. We've started messing about with them and putting them on now. We think it, it, it makes a bit of a difference, but we don't know. Hookwise, 14 O's, Shauna says, are 12 O's and just a, a small trace, maybe two, three foot long, just so it's nailed on the bottom. It's all pretty basic stuff. Is it mono right through, or are you still on wire? No, I would just use, like, I think mine's about 250, 300 pound trace, and then I would use a wind-on later, because we're having to use braid. The wind-ons are, are definitely a, a really, really good job for the skate there. Before we were just tying the mono straight onto the braid, but we're having problems with a knot that's going to be strong enough, you know, to take it. But the wind-on sort of, it seems to do the trick now. There's a lot of strength in, in the wind-ons there. It definitely been a good job for the skate, definitely. And are you tending to find most action on the small tides, slack waters and over muddy ground? Do you know what, boy? It's all over slack water. We always catch our fish, especially in Lauren and Cushendall. Um, I was talking to the skipper in Bally Castle. He maintained he was getting them all stages of the tide up there. He, well, I suppose in the market he was fishing for them, he was maybe getting off with it, you know, being able to bring them in and stuff. Um, but any of our fish, we've, we've caught them over slack water. There's no doubt about it. That wee shallow water mark I have is actually a reef. It's a real rocky, rocky reef. Basically what I do is just throw the anchor on top of the reef and fish off the sides of it. Be a lot of bull hustling stuff in along it and spurs and stuff. But again, it's slack water. You get them a couple of hours of slack and, and then usually when the tide picks up, you know, the four pound of lead isn't doing its job anymore and you're basically lifting anchor and, and that's you done for the day. Had a few times now not getting skate up quick enough with guys and having to, to buy off the anchor and chase after it, you know, once the tide had actually caught the skate, say it was mid-water, once the current started running, I just couldn't stop it. It was just one of them things, you just had to go and chase after it. I've had that now a few times. Usually they are, you're talking 20 minutes, maybe to get them to, to break the seal off the bottom, as I call it. Um, but once you get them going, you know yourself, you know they start to come. Start to come pretty easy. Donegal fishing for the skate there, you'll be a lot shallow water. The guys actually know a kayaker up there and he's getting them. I think he's even getting them at about 80 feet. So they're they're not always destined to deep water. Or some people might say, like they're, Donegal, they're getting them 80, 100 feet there. 
but they're they're pretty common, Phil. You know, they're all over our Antrim coast. Um, as I say, there's just there's not that many guys fish for them. There's maybe I would count maybe about six or eight guys. You know, would actually dedicate their time to, you know to the skate fishing. I'm sure if there was a lot more had done it, you know, we'd be seeing more results. We'd be, we'd be seeing a lot more skate being caught. Picking up on the shallow water theme, there is one other skate species which anglers in the south and west of Ireland occasionally catch, the white skate or bottlenose rare. We used to pick them up in our 15-foot sea hog in 20 feet of water in Tralee Bay, and only last year, Irish angler Jonathan Gannon had one of 175 pounds fishing with Murray Gavin Hughes out of Westport, which missed out on the Irish record because it was only identified from photographs long after it had been tagged and released. I've actually never heard of them up round here, and I don't know anybody, you know, that has ever caught one. I guess anybody that's anchored up in around these parts is always doing it in deep water. You know, there's very... Alright, there's a few blonde ray marks and stuff there, but you're still fishing probably 100, you know, maybe 100, 150 foot of water. You're still... I suppose it's pretty deep water, like. They are found in deep water too, but they will also move in close. If they have already been caught, it is possible they could have been put back without being recognised. They are easy fish to pick out though. Instead of having black dots around the paws on the underside, they're just plain white, and the snout is very long like a finger, hence the names bottlenose ray and white skate. I believe that, you know, there might have been some caught up around here, just somebody's never actually noticed it. It's worth keeping an eye out for. That's something they must do, you know, just to see, because I'm sure, like, if you're, if you're getting them in one part of the country, they're probably up around here too. What about other big fish species? I know that swordfish have been taken commercially off the Irish coast, along with various other tuna species, so who knows what the future may bring if sea temperatures continue to rise. Actually, talking to a skipper there, was it last year, about the possibility of a trip for swordfish? But like you're running out to the shelf, Phil, you need you need a lot of sailed weller. You're pretty much going out there into the unknown, so to speak, to go out rod and line. I know there's maybe a fuse done it down off Cork there. They were getting the albacore tuna and stuff. Them guys are, are running pretty far out. But it would be interesting. But it's down to like it's a two. I think we had it worked out. It was a two or three day trip. You're maybe coming back on the third day. Um, I'd like to do it. So I would. I really, really would like to do it. I'd love to go out there and try different things and, and maybe try for the swords and stuff. But as I say, it's getting the guys that are able to do it, it's getting the boat, it's getting the weather, you know, there's a lot of variables in it. It would just be a case of seeing the bit of settled weather, dropping everything and going, you know, that's you for two or three days there. It might happen this year. Um, you know, the same guy there, he's well into his chin and stuff. Um, down in South Donegal, he's no stranger to big fish um, and it would be nice to see him going out and try for one. It definitely would. Meanwhile then, presumably, it's more of what's already there for you, with particular emphasis on the tuna throughout 2016. So what happens then if one comes along that threatens Adrian Malloy's £970 record, taken in Irish waters a few years back? Last year I seen a couple of fish Probably in around £600. Real big lumps of fish. Could I cope with it? I would give it a shot. I know that. I definitely would. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't think twice about it. I will say this here, last year now, the second fish I actually hooked up on, and this still haunts me to this day, and I know it well. I always keep on thinking about it. I was on that fish for over two hours. Now, I was on my own, as I'd done a lot of the tuna last year on my own. That fish had took me nearly three miles from where I hooked up at. 
But not knowing what I was doing, and I was still in the early stages of learning, and this was only ever the second hookup, but this was the, ever, the first ever real, real good fight. I lost that fish. He actually ran the props on me. I wasn't quick enough to get out of the way. Now he frayed the line, but he came up, he had done his circles and all in below the boat. This was after two hours of me running back and forward, trying to reel and trying to steer the boat and stuff and do the throttle and all the rest of it. And he had actually, he popped up, up out of the water. This is for the very first time his head come up and I I remember seeing it and that fish was a monster. Like compared to any of the ones that I caught, that fish was a good, it was getting into 500 pounds. Like, but no, I had made the fatal mistake, and it was such a small mistake. Now, my line was frayed. Yeah, I was just, the fish was probably about 30 feet away from the side of the boat. I set my rod back into the holder, but it was pointing the opposite road. If you understand, there's like a small ridge runs across the top roller eye. Now, the line was running off the top of that ridge and not the roller, and I went to grab the line to pull the fish towards me, and he took a bit of a run, and the frayed line broke on top of that ridge and I just remember seeing him sinking down and my big lures and all going down with him. So that, that I do reckon and estimate it that fish was a good five hundred pound. Now it was a lot a lot of work to get that fish but I there's a chance there's a chance for the bigger ones. You know there definitely is. If you can just keep them top of them Phil, some of them there really, really do make you work. You know, there's no doubt about it. And now, I suppose, with a couple under my belt and stuff, you know, I sort of know, not know what they're going to do, but I'm, I'm wise to them. Um, definitely, now, there's a chance you could get them bigger ones in. Um, it would be nice to see. It definitely would. Um, that guy there that I fished with, that taught me for the poor beagles, Peter McCauley, when he was fishing the tuna back in 2000 and stuff, like he ragged. He had seen fish going up into maybe £1,500. Um, so you know, what's to say, you know, them fish, them fish won't come back again. Hopefully, hopefully we'll get a shot at them. Well, in saying that, it's, it's nice to cut your teeth and fish in 300 and 400 pounds, so it would be nice, but uh, I can just imagine what the fight will be, so I can. <laughs> you say hopefully. I do, do you know what, fella, <laughs> I had a fish last year. And I was really, really tight into. There's an island up there called Rathlin O'Brien. I was probably only ah, about 40 yards off the off rocks. The fish must have just come up from the. I, you know, there was no tuna buster or nothing. I was just trawling, nice wee leisurely trawling around the rocks. And I swore something threw a hand grenade into the sea. The sea just erupted and my reel just let rip. I think that's the only time I've ever been really afraid of a fish. You know, it was just so, so violent, if you know what I mean. It was really, really mad. And just the, the speed of it taking off and stuff. And I was sort of going, Jesus, I really want to be messing with this thing. But when it came in, you know, it was by no means a monster. It was about, probably in around £250 or so. But just, it was, it was spectacular. It was a very, very spectacular take. But we'll see, we'll see how this season goes. But I, I would, I'd love a crack at the big one. I'd love a crack at the real giants thing. I have the gear for them, like, well, I have the gear for the smaller ones, and it, it seems to do all right now. A couple of fish there have run. They've probably emptied half of them reels in me, like, and I'm an 80 wide, what is holding, I think it's about 900 yards, 80 pound line. So, you know, when you start to see half of that disappearing, you, you start to get worried. And it's a long way of putting it back on. Have you, have you ever watched that show, Wicked Tuna? It's the same idea. It's, it's pulling the line up. Hmm. I know exactly what you mean. I've had quite a few yellowfins over the years. 
different colour, same pulling power. I, uh, you know, Phil, I've had a lot of poor beagles and stuff there, and I used to think, well, you know, there's nothing, nothing beats these here, but no, the, the tuner hard work. I originally thought I would do it stand up there, but no, I'll just, I'll pass on that. So um, I actually just bought the swivel rod holders. If you've ever heard of them, you've probably seen them in the big game boats and stuff. And that's what I, I bolted into the back of the warrior and, and played it up the back of them just to strengthen it up. And that's, that's what I was using. Because I think the first tune I had just ordinary rod holders in and I just smashed them. I actually snapped them in two. So I had really no other option to go and put proper holders in. But, uh, you know, you're messing with fish that size and that powerful. It's, you need to be well, well geared up for them. Well, it's April now, so you shouldn't have too long to wait. All that remains is to wish you good luck. And many thanks for sharing your exploits with us here. <laughs>